Welcome to Sexy Confidence with Eva, the relationship maker. A place where we talk about relationship, we talk about dating, we talk about the successes and life in general, especially when I have guests like today. First of all, I'm so happy to have a very interesting lady and very accomplished lady uh, today to talk about the brain. Her name is Susan Sheehan. And I have to write, to read a little bit her bio because it's, she had accomplished so much. She's an international speaker, wellness and business coach for 25 years. And this is, and brain training authority. She's managing partner of Smart Coach 7. And she's a best-selling author, and I have read her book. It's very, very interesting. It's called Reset, Fast Track Your Brain Power for Ultimate Success. I'm going to give you all the information at the end. She's a mother, and as I'm always saying that I always have more trust in people who lived the talk than just learned uh, the talk. And she definitely lived it. She lost a daughter in a, in a car accident. And she has a son who has uh, intellectual disability. And I think you have another daughter because you mentioned in a book you're going to her concerts, right? Yes, yes. she's a, she's a little rock musician in LA, lives in LA. <laughs> Good, great. So uh, she's also a rape and DV, I think, stands for domestic violence survivor. You are a strong woman, and I'm so happy to, to have a chance to interview you because I love strong women. I love women who, it doesn't matter what happened in their life, they can rise up and help other people and turn everything, the negative, into very positive. So, hello, Susan. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. How are you? Wonderful, thank you. Very we've busy. Had, we've had storms here, but the sun's shining today, so it's, it's cool. Yeah, we had some rain too. But you are very busy, and I'm so happy that you're taking the time to um, to answer my some of my questions. And I have a very specific subject that I would like to talk about, and that's the children, especially sons and men, how they develop and what's going on in the world. And I'm going to, to tie in some of the things I read in, uh, in your book with whatever we're talking and I'm putting it out and you can, uh, you can talk about it. I like the imprint stage when, and your beliefs. And one of the things that shocked me the most when you say that, a child when reaches 17 years old, heard 150,000 times no, can't, and only 5,000 times yes, can. Yes. So how, how can we get rid of all that, that early age programming, that, that imprint stage programming? How, what can we do? How can we do it? Well, I think I think it's it's 
because there's a reason for the no when you have little children, isn't there? Because it's safety. No, don't touch the socket. No, don't touch the element. No, don't jump off the balcony. No, don't bite that kid. I mean, you know, there's all there's lots of valid reasons why we say no to little children. I think what's important that we help parents say the no, but frame it in a way and, and explain to the child why they're saying no. So it's not just no, don't do it, but hey, Mary, look, hey, no, no, please try not to do that because if you do that, you'll burn yourself. Um, and so there's a conversation around it rather than just the no. So no isn't always a bad thing, but I think when it comes out very harsh and it's repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated, the unconscious just hears no. It doesn't hear the stories around it. So I think it's about helping parents educate them on how to communicate more effectively so that the child is not just hearing the no, but also hearing the reason why and where the no is coming from. Because it is there for safety, isn't it, really, when, that, when we've got little kids. And I hear that many times then, then parents also say, oh, you, you are an idiot or you did something and it's and they making the child idiot, not the action. Uh, well, absolutely. It, it's it's and of course the more the child hears that, the that 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 whole becomes part of the programming. Our brain functions on the information that we have stored and the information that we put ourselves in front of. It's keeping it really, really simple, grade seven language. So when we've got a small child and we're repeating this these this negative language, this negative communication to them. This information is going into this this innocent innocent unconscious, and this child believes it's real. And because the more we repeat something, and the brain hears it over and over and over, it literally just goes, "Well, I don't need to worry about that anymore. I'm just going to go. I'll just recreate that. I'll just keep recreating that. It's on. It becomes on a default setting, and the child believes that he's an idiot. And that's when you're saying that. That is the, the comfort zone when they grow up because uh, if things they were repeated so many times when they grow up and they hear the same things, that's the comfort zone? Yeah, the comfort zone is, is really the measure of your self-worth because when somebody is told, and I'm sure, you know, you've, we've all experienced at some time, haven't we, that, that negative that negative conversation, and we hear it over and over. It does. It, it keeps us in our comfort zone. The, the brain, we're, we're, we're born with this comfort zone, and depending on the, 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 the I guess, that imprint stage of the information, the places, the people, all that data that goes into the brain because we put ourselves in front of data and then the brain converts that into what it, to what it wants to deal with. It's called your reticular activating system and it li literally dis deletes, distorts and generalizes all the information that we're put in front of. So if, if this child has been told over and over they're an idiot, they're stupid, they can't do, then they're going to only see that, that information, anything that they put themselves in front of, the brain's going to go delete, delete, delete. Oh, here's one. You're an idiot and continue to believe that that's true. So it reinforces this wrong information that's been put in there. And the thing is that, that because it becomes a default setting, then that, that child is then put it, it, it grows up believing it. So it's going to attract more of it unless, unless we help, um, parents and carers and teachers really learn how to empower our children by how they communicate with them. We actually have a program called Be Aware Children Listen because they hear everything. 
you know, good and ugly, they hear everything. So we have to be very mindful of how we communicate to our children so they can start to see themselves as the person they were born to be. And that's a wonderful human being with possibility and potential everywhere. Some of the things you're talking about, how, how when we, we uh, create images and we have to create images in order to achieve the goal, and I cannot imagine somebody more apt to imagine than little children. They have an imagination, anything can happen. The elephant can be pink or blue or polka dot. It doesn't matter, you can see in their drawings. And I, I believe that somehow that part of us is dying. It's like, I don't know, it's too much information when we start growing up or, uh, or too much pressure from the outside, what happens? Why, why we lose that part of ours of imagining and dreaming? I think, I think that we live in a world that's very busy. Uh, you know, I look. I don't know when you were small, but you know, I used to listen to I used to listen to stories on the radio and used to play games and use imagination to play games. You know, I had a I had a hut, a little a little cottage in my backyard that my father that that my father built me, and I'd go in there and I'd make pies and have all my dolls, and you know, <laughs> it's continual imagination. We're now children a little bit more in front of in front of you know gadgets and in front of TV and in front of games and in front of computers and and phones, and their their lives are a lot busier. I, I find you know children seem to have activities every single day. There's always something going on, and and I think there's a little bit of that freedom to just be and explore who they are and be able to use their imagination to create their own play. I think a little bit of that is lost in the busyness of our world today. I believe that, I don't know, you tell me if I'm right, that all these gadgets, all these computers, everything somehow kill the imagination of children. Do you believe that? I, I, just, I just, I do for that reason. You look, there's a place for it all. You know, my son, as you've already mentioned, has an intellectual disability, and I know his games have helped him with his visual perception, his audio perception, um, his problem solving, his mathematical concepts. So there's been a lot of benefits for him having games on, you know, his, his Nintendos and his Xbox, um, his phone, but there's always been a balance. There's always been a balance, so he's always had you know, activities outside as well as inside. So I've always, always made sure that there's that balance. And, and I think that that's what more parents need to be mindful of is creating that balance with their children. And, you know, maybe even bringing in the old stuff, you know, like let's just turn off all the gadgets and let's sit down and play a game, you know. Let's play hide and seek and, and let's just sit down and, and play charades and, and just let's just go back to playing some of the games that we used to play before the gadgets and the phones and the and the you know the Netflix sort of took over our lives. I think it's something that we have to be mindful of. Let's have a family date. Let's have a date with the family and do this. You know. Sometimes I wish we had more uh, power outage because then you get together with uh, with candles and you start talking and you know it's a different. It, it, it you go back to the basics. You go back to your basics, and and I think that if more families maybe sort of let's have a family date and just switch everything off and just hang out, 
And whatever comes up, we do. And it can, we, we actually do that. My family lives all over the world. My mother's in New Zealand. My sister's in Melbourne. My daughter's in Al. It goes between LA and London. I'm on the Gold Coast in Australia. So when we come together, it, it's all about talking and food. And we get together. We play games. We do charades. Um, and it makes it really fun and interactive. And we do it because we only come together so, so very seldom in the grand scheme of families. Uh, but I think if more families did that, then there would be a connection as well that I think, I think potentially can be lost because of the world of, um, you know, the world of IT and all of these wonderful push-button things that we have around us. And how did we ever do business without it? Look at us. You're in Vancouver. You're on the Gold Coast. Yeah, it's um, incredible. Yeah. So I think it's about balance. And I think that more parents need to be mindful of what they're doing so that their, their children's brains are being empowered rather than disempowered. It's that simple, really, isn't it? You said something in the book that struck me. Says, everybody says, where is your willpower to do things and have willpower? And you says, willpower doesn't do anything. Willpower is not good. And when you think about will, in, it's always in the future. So uh, how, how people should replace that willpower? What is the, uh, replaceable with? Well, it's not that willpower doesn't work. It just doesn't work alone. Willpower is, is part of that, you know, like discipline to do something. But unless you actually also work on it, look, all success is all about a mathematical equation, isn't it? It's one plus one plus one plus one. And it's the same when we come to working with our brain. Willpower alone doesn't work because we have to make sure that we've got the right programming. We have to make sure that we've got the brain is seeing something that is bigger than the story of yesterday. The brain has to see something. And if it, you don't put, if we don't put something that's bigger and brighter and more beautiful and panoramic, panoramic it connect emotionally to it so we believe it's real, then the brain is going to draw from images of yesterday's story. And as we know, yesterday is no longer real. And bring it into today, we connect emotionally to it and we believe it's real today. So that is one reason why willpower alone doesn't work. Because even though we might be motivated and focused and disciplined to take action, unless we know where we're going and the brain has a vision of what that looks like, we're not going to get there. Interesting. Today I had a, a talk with a gentleman. He called me, says, I have a few responses because he was looking for work at this point. He, uh, his company closed when... Uh, whatever problem hit. And I says, I was talking with this, um, this company and they asked me how much I want. He's an engineer. And I give him, I give them a number and the person says, oh, this is the lowest number that we were thinking about to pay someone with your, uh, your ability and your experience. And he asked me, and after I, let, I, I read your, uh, in your book, that money is basically an exchange for values. And he asked me that, says, why is that? That I don't feel like I have the value that I have and other people see more the value that I have. And I see lots of men who I meet and I'm, I'm working with, they have some questions, says, I never, says, yeah, I want to achieve this and that, and I never, know my value 
So if I think if they put that money value, value money, then it's going to be easier for the brain to, uh, to accept it. Do you think so? Well, the brain has to see something. It's like, you know, when, we, when I speak, one of the questions I often ask is who would like to be happy and who would like to have money? And it's interesting because which one do you think, which hands, which do you think is most hands go up? Money. Of course, no, it's happiness. Happiness. Yeah, happiness. More hands go up. And we're talking probably three quarters more of an audience. And let's, let's say 100 people will have 75 hands go up for happiness and 25 for money. Now, the thing about that is we all want happiness. And we know that happiness is a journey. We know all the, all the, the laws of life that we need to live by. But the thing is, unless one actually can see immediately what happiness looks like in the real world, to, and to the brain, it's just an abstract word where money is, is tangible, you can see money. So when, when you ask somebody, you know, what would you prefer, happiness, then the next question to ask is what does happiness look like for you? What does it look like? And this is the sad truth that we identify with, and I think with a lot of men, and especially because when you think about what men, you know, think about men as being the hunters, you know, and regardless of how, of how, liberated our world is and I think when it comes down to the core of a guy he's still there's still that history of being the hunter would you agree with that I oh, think absolutely. there's still that there so I think one of the big problems with men is the lack of purpose so they they see the problem they see what's not working they see their they see their lack of rather than stepping out of that and seeing their potential and their possibility because they've been driven for this purpose. And this is very relevant for men over 40, over 50. Um, it's, actually, it's actually known as andropause. There's a name for it. <laughs> it's like menopause, but for the men, andropause, yeah. Yeah, for the men. So, so I think it's all about helping, helping these guys see more, letting them acknowledge what they've achieved and all the wonderful things that they have inside of them, and then helping them transfer that into something bigger that they may not have even realized you know it's all about seeing that seeing that new vision and look value of self and money is merely green energy with wings and the greater worth we have in ourselves, the more money we will make the marketplace will show you the money when you show the marketplace your self-worth it's interesting do you think that men lost their ways I, I know I'm, woman liberation started as a good idea because we wanted to be able to vote, to have some freedoms. But now when I talk to some of my clients and women, they say, oh, I don't really need a man. I can do it all. But men, they are, they are like you said, they are hunters. They want to please. They want to do work. But if a woman comes from a point of view, I can do it all. I don't need you or I'm just criticizing, how men can find that place to get back in themselves and say, okay, I'm worth it. I'm going to adapt and they have to work and with their brain. That's why I was so fascinated by your book and by everything you're doing, because I think there is a way back where they start. I had a client, I had a client once who said to me, my, can you help my husband? And I said, well, that depends on what your husband's problem is. And if he wants to be helped, of course, you know, 
anyway, the story was that they had a farm and they had six children. And of course, the husband had run the farm. Then they had a sea change and they moved to the coast and moved into an apartment. Four of the children went their own ways. One child stayed at home. The other child stayed local, but was out of home. And my client went back to school. So what happens to dad? He's at home sitting on the couch, no farm, no children, no family, no purpose. So he, he got into, into quite deep depression. I, I needed to advise them to get some sort of more clinical, clinical support. Um, but that's, a, that's quite a common problem, I think. Um, and so it's, look, it's, it's like anything, you know, we have to be mindful of the people around us and the problems that they have so we can be there to support it. But for the guy themselves, we have to help them see more than the pain of where they're at. Um, and, you know, foveal vision is what we see. This is what we see. And for us to know more, to see more, we have to help these men take down those blinkers or those boundaries of their thinking so that their brain can see more because they know deep down inside that they are more. But because they're stuck in the problem of not being worthy, they're not seeing clearly. So we have to help these guys see, see the man that they truly are, help them find that strength inside to acknowledge what they've achieved, what, what their possibilities are, what the potential is, and then guide them into, into areas that they may not even have thought of because, you know, this is all about where more brains are better than one. <laughs> but it goes back to the basics, whether it's a man, a child, or a woman. It doesn't matter what age. They have to see something clearer, something new, something, something fun, something exciting. And then, of course, the brain training is all about doing whatever you have to do to keep this vision here. You know, mindfulness is a, a, is a really powerful strategy and mindfulness is all about being still and allowing the brain to recover because it's only when we're in a, in a place of stillness that the central nervous system can actually recover. But mindfulness is also a very powerful success strategy because it means that the 2% conscious brain is dominant over our 98% unconscious brain, which simply means that every moment, and if we've got a guy that's feeling in this depressed state and is a bit lost and lacking purpose and not seeing his confidence, then to be mindful is like, okay, and it can be moment by moment. Okay, I achieved this. I can do that again. So that his mindful, the moment by moment thoughts is controlling the unconscious negativity that can be going on. Because, you know, the truth is that the unconscious is the, is, is the engine. The unconscious drives our life and our belief system is, is our truth. But the sad thing is that, is it true? And I was having this conversation with somebody last night, actually, and how do we know if it's true? And I said, well, look at your life. Have a look at your life. Everything we have in here is manifested in the physical world. So if you're not living the life that you want, if you're not making the money you want, if you don't in the relationships that you want, then something in here needs to change. So is your belief your truth? Absolutely. But is it true? Not always. So it's all about helping to build that confidence is to rewire that. And it has to start no matter who we are by helping these people see something new, something different, something better, something that excites them, reconnect them to something that they used to love. 
reconnect them with a part of them that they know is there that they've forgotten about. Help them create something new and wonderful and beautiful. And this is part of building their confidence because then every time they step out, just taking that one step, every time you take one step, you're getting out of that comfort zone a little bit and building that confidence. And, you know, the reality is, Eva, unless we help these guys see something bigger, something better, something fun, something more exciting, something emotionally that's driving them, they'll never get out of that comfort zone. That's the point. There has to be a reason to take that next step. There has to be a reason to push through that hard stuff. There has to be a reason bigger than the pain they're feeling. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And you know what I wish? I wish that those all gentlemen clubs would be up and running, but for only for gentlemen, because that was their place to get off steam and, and recharge and get uh, new ideas and be men and get that, that excitement of, of how the business is going or everything else. There's some brainstorming and, and coming together with that like-mindedness. You know, I, I think that there's growth in this area across the board. I, I, I know that um, we've got a client that we're working with this, this subject alone, which, is, which I'd love to talk to you about after. Uh, so I know that there is, there is areas of growth in this area, um, but there's still a long way to go. We raise girls and boys. And what is very sad that the fam family dynamics kind of broke up the society broke it up. So there are many single mothers who raise their kids and the boys, they don't have father figures. So when they grow up, they, I believe they are lost. It's like being in a, in a no man's land because they say, okay, where do I stand as a, as a man, as a boy? Yeah. And um, sometimes the, the mother keeps very strong hold on the boy so they don't give them the independence to be independent. So how can we help to, for people to understand, for mothers, for fathers to understand how important their role is in raising um, a healthy son? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's like, give me world peace. <laughs> this, is, this is such a big subject. Uh, um, let me give you a snapshot of, of our, we've got a client um, who we've, we've set up, branded, we actually become directors, uh, the charitable foundation called Fathers Rights Australia. And this is all about supporting fathers um, and the role that fathers play within the family unit. So this, this subject matter is very front of mind and we're doing a lot of work around it. In fact, we've even set up a whole coaching group um, and a coaching program for men. We've also started a design, developed a uh, boot camp called the Confident Heart Boot Camp for Men. And, and this is for the sole purpose of what we're talking about here. The father and son, I think, is, is so important because we want our boys to learn and have role models from their fathers. And I think the education that needs to come across the board, there's two parts to it. Number one is that we must help these parents that are going through dysfunctionalities in, in marriages to not, to not use their children as pawns in their game of getting back at each other and that power game that can come through that we need to help more parents or more adults 
have a higher level of consciousness and thinking when it comes to their children, that, that children, it's all about the gift of love and, and our children are worthy of being loved by both parents, that a, a mother's love and a father's love are both so important for the, for the absolute development of mental, spiritual and emotional and physical well-being of the child. This is being lost. This is being lost in the whole dynamics of, of family law. And we've, we've identified it across, across, across the world. It isn't just an Australian issue. It seems to be a global problem. So what is the solution to it? Well, I think, you know, I guess as coaches, this is an area that we can help. We need to help our men stay strong through the adversity of it all. We need to help more women just relax a little bit and not wanting to play the power game and allow the children to have relationships with the father. More men have to, more men also need to relax, but sadly it seems to be a, more of a woman taking control and not letting the kids see the father. It seems to be an equation that's very out of balance. Uh, the, uh, the, the answers to the question, um, there's a legal answer so that the legal system actually can give 50-50 across the board or what's safest for the children. But from an individual's perspective, we need to help more individuals really see, see what's going on with the children, see, that, see the, the pain and the struggle and the torture that some of these kids are going through because of the power game that their parents are playing. And it's that simple, really, Eva. And it's, as you said, it's like world peace. It's a big issue. It's a big problem. I know, I know. And um, I'm, I'm talking about how the boys to, to have a father figure, but yes. also for girls is important to know how to be treated and how the father treats them, that's what they're going to expect in life and when they grow up. I know it's, it's a huge, huge problem and I never understand when somebody comes and says, oh, I hate, I hate the, uh, my ex-husband. And I said, how can you hate your ex-husband? If you hate your other partner or ex-wife, it means that you hate a part of your child because the child is both of you. So it's so much hate somehow out in the world. And, yes. and it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out that how to educate people that if you really love a child, it's not your property, then you let them choose. And I know I'm divorced. And I never, never stop my kids. They wanted to go, you go. And still I have a very good relationship with my ex-husband and uh, his wife. And I'm just, I'm just happy that the kids, they grow up in a way that they still had the, both their parents. But I see so many people who, friends especially, who divorced and it, and it's like, I don't want to let my son, I don't want, I, if he pays me, you know what? It's not worth it. Why you have children if you, if you treat them like that? It, it's like, I have to say it. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm really getting uh, annoyed and angry when I hear people talking like that. And the, the children are the most innocent. They didn't ask to be on this world. So we have to find a way. I like your ideas and I'm going to tap into that. What you yeah. do, the education of men, maybe something can be created 
Yes, I, 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 um, I, well, as I said, we're just in the process of, of, of putting it all together. So it's definitely something that I'd love to talk to you about. I think, I think, you know, it, it's about helping, helping as much as we'd like to get out there and just like wiggle the nose and boom, change done, you know, old, you know, remember yeah. the, the witch Samantha wiggle the nose and boom, yeah. changes done. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to be able to do that? But I think the reality is that we can just have a voice bigger, um, have a voice around it, help help men one by one. And if we're helping one, then they're going to help another one. And and I think this is the power of coaching. You know, we change one person's life and then we not only change one person's life, but we've changed a family's life. And if more people can be, more people can have, I guess, see things with a more, a bigger picture outlook. I mean, I'm like you, I've got, I've got two, two divorces and I, I've never been that person. My children have had relationships with their fathers um, and, you know, all, all fine. Like you have as much as what I see the negatives of the fathers. I also see why I was with them. So I also see why I was attracted to them. I, I know why I was married to them. And I never lost sight of that. Um, I also know why I'm not with them. So that's also healthy. And, and so I've always been very simply honest with my kids. And because of it, we have, I've always liked to refer to it as a dysfunctional, functional family unit. <laughs> perfectly imperfect. <laughs> or imperfectly perfect family. Yeah, yeah, yeah dynamics. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know what, I, I guess I, I was a little bit unaware of the severity of this problem um, until we started working with this client. About 12 months we've been working with this client now. Um, and, you know, his story is heartbreaking, um, not being able to see his children. I mean, the reality of this man is that he has nearly 8,000 pages of evidence against the mental illness and the abuse of the mother to the children. Nothing against him. He's got a clean slate, and yet his wife, ex-wife, has the children. What's wrong with the legal system? It's one of the things has to change. They have to do something. They, they absolutely do, and 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 as I said, we've got we've got things going on here with this client, which which was a conversation for later. Um, but yeah, that's a serious problem. And I think what you're doing, I think I think what you're doing is so admirable. And I think what you can continue to do is to just help the men that you're working with help build their confidence, help them see more than the pain that they feel, help them see more than the, 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 the lack that they're feeling so that they can start to build their self-worth. And as you build one man at a time, then he's going to be making a difference to his little part of the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the more that we can, the more of us that can get out there and do that, then we're going to have a collective effect. And, and that's all that we can wish for while we're, while there's people in the background having a bigger voice to change what's happening within the legal system. Yeah, because I, I find that when they come, they are like, like broken, broken people, like no self-confidence, no self-esteem. And and they are successful maybe in, uh, in their work. And I yeah. met quite a few. Uh, I did a workshop and the lady brought her husband. And it, I, then I did for something else, but not for, uh, for a relationship, whatever. And she says, do something with my husband. I said, what do you want me to do? She says, well, he is a boss. He has uh, 12 people under him. 
he's totally okay. He comes home and he's a wuss. He cannot even say to his children, go and do your homework or go to bed. And I was like, then when I started my career in 1993, I, I was like, how I'm going to have this man, you know, like it, it was one of the, that was one of the strange moments. And uh, from there on, I have been working with, with men okay. and I see the, the damage that had been done. And even now, you know, it's like, it's always the man's fault. Always, always the man's fault. And um, working with this client, because there's two parts we're working with this client, one sort of personally developing him so that he can he can really build his own confidence up and the second part is 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 the branding and the business of of the charitable foundation that he's setting up um, and he's he's very very coachable and I, I think that that's a key that when we start working with these guys they need we need to know that they're coachable because we can only build their confidence if they are open to being coached and they're open to the change that is going to happen because of the coaching I was um, I was talking to a young man last night, and uh, he I just asked him. I said, "How coachable are you?" And he went, "Oh, I don't know if I'm very coachable." And I said, "Well, then expect to stay where you are." It's that simple, really. And I I think that's the first question. But this client is so coachable, and you see, you know, I, I, we see his vulnerability. I see his vulnerability. I feel his vulnerability. But then I see his and I see this down times where he, where he allows himself to just sort of like have those moments of I guess weakness. And we all have those, don't we? In fact, we have to feel it. Um, but I also see his growth as he steps up and steps out and and allows a purpose bigger than his pain. And I think that's the key. We, we have to help men see a purpose bigger than the pain they're feeling. So they've got a reason to want to continue moving forward to develop themselves. And it starts with having something, something brighter and bigger and happier up here. It's all about having that vision, you know. It's about keeping hold of whatever that looks like. I mean, yeah, we, can use, we can use the rich and famous stories. I mean, look at Disney. I think somebody said to Mrs. Disney one day, oh, isn't it terrible that, that, that Disney didn't see Disneyland finished? It's like, oh, don't be so ridiculous. Of course he saw it finished. It was playing on his head every single day. And that's what it's all about. We have to see that new, we've got to write that new story. There has to be a new story that previews as a, as a, as a movie in the brain so that there's a reason to push through the pain, reason to get out of that comfort zone and a reason to get up every morning. It's very interesting. I'm from Europe and I came out like many, many years ago. And it's for me, imagination was everything. I read a lot when I was a kid. And I remember I had this vision before I came out, before I ran away, that I'm, I'm going into my apartment and there is a sewing machine, but it was there and there. And I'm like, I don't know how to sew. What in the hell is going on with that? And sure enough, when after I moved out, I went back to school, to fashion school, but I didn't, I, it was the business side. But I got into this, uh, into this profession, the image consulting. So for me, I have a capability of imagination. I see when you talk, sometimes words become pictures. Yes, me too. Instantaneously, actually. Yeah, and that's how I can relate. That's why I never forget a face. Names, I forget. 
but face, never forget the face. And I remember, okay, and even sometimes I can pinpoint out where I met the person and maybe it was seven, 10 years ago. If people can get to that point that they can envision, as you said, they can see the, the big picture, they can see the, even the details, the colors, the smell and everything. Yes, everything. And take action. It's no way that they are not going to succeed. And, and, and you know what, it, it's, I, look, I've been a coach for 27 years and I've, I've worked, JT is, 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 you know, coach that we will be both working with now, but I've also worked with other, other really, you know, leaders in the world and what they do. Uh, and, and, you know, I remember little things, little nutshells that come through. And I remember one of my coaches said, I want you to go right way and I want you to write a three-page story on your ideal day. Okay, yeah, I can do that. And I've, I've found it really challenging. This is like going way back in the early days. And I'm thinking, three, but what do I want? Oh, you know, I can't do that. And, you know, he, he wouldn't talk to me again. I would, he wouldn't have another session with me until I had written this three-page story of my ideal day. Um, and it took me six weeks to write it. Mm -hmm. took me six weeks to write it because in my unconscious and at, at the time this was a process I didn't have the didn't have the awareness of what actually was going on at the time I just used to get a pen and a paper and I'd sit there and I go yeah no that's not going to happen I can't do that and all of that negative conversation would come up you know you don't deserve it you blah 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 and then I had to do it because every week he would check in. Have you done it? No. Have you done it? No. You've got to do this. So you've got to do this. So I finally in six weeks, I decided I have to do this. I'm just going to push through it. So I sat down and once I started writing, I thought, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. And I can have, oh my gosh, and I can have that. And I started to paint this picture and I wrote this picture down. And you know what? That was quite a few many years ago now. And I still... I still have that same three-day, three-page ideal day story in my computer. I still have it in my phone. And even though some of it, some of it has changed a little bit, you know, some of the demographics have changed, uh, some of the people have changed, but the general core of the story is still the same and it drives me every single day to write it. Yeah. It's interesting that... Um it happened something similar to me. Um, I was uh, in a coaching session uh, with somebody else and I had to write my why. And oh. it would not come to me. So I started volunteering to see how it works in the background, everything. And after three months, somebody got up on stage and said something and it just clicked. It, it cannot, you cannot, certain things you cannot push has to come from inside. If it doesn't, it's a lie. You know what, I think, I think that you've just, you've just really hit the nail on the head. And I think, you know, if you're a really great coach, then we're able to bring that out. You know, you mentioned it when you were introducing me that I lost a daughter and yes, I did. And the day that I buried, um, buried her, I passed out over the coffin and I woke up with smelling salts. And, you know, my first thought was, oh, my gosh, this is so hard. There has to be a meaning for this. And I made, a, I made a, an absolute profound statement that I was going to make this pain mean something and make her little life mean something. Now, I had always thought that some level that that profound statement I made, I was only 23, 24 at the time, meant something. But I was in one of, um, I was in a coaching session um, with some of JT's coaches 
a couple of years ago and one of the ladies she was she was telling a story and as she's telling the story I'm unconsciously connecting to it Okay. And I could feel my, I could feel myself react to it. Um, but of course there was 20 something people in the room. It was a, it was a four day, it was a, the old dream team. So it was four, four days of coaching. So I, I just controlled it was, I was wanting to control it, but of course she could see it. So when she finished the story, she comes up with a microphone, puts a microphone in front of my face and your story. And of course my first thought was, no, 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 I can't do that. No, no, no. And I've got this, I've got this gorgeous young hairdresser from Sydney stroking my arm and, and, and a very handsome Spanish man, you know, patting me on the back. Um, and she said, you've got to tell your story. And I thought, well, I've got two things happening here. I'm that person that will get the dancing started. And I thought, I'm here to play full out. So if I share my story, I may gain something from it, and I may help somebody else share their story. So I told the story. And I've never told the story in detail in front of other people. And she didn't move. She just stood there and she held the microphone in my face. And she just looked at me and she said, there's your why. And she looked at everybody else and she said, that is Sue's why. That is why she does what she does. And yet that was like, you know, that was a long time ago. And yet it was the driving force of who I am. And it was only became absolute clear two years ago. Sometimes you have to verbalize and you hear yourself or you have to write it down. I also, I cannot write things if it's very personal on, um, on the phone or whatever. I have to have that paper and pen. And that's how I, I come up with ideas. And that's how I ground myself. It's very interesting that uh, the work, how it's done and how it can be done. Well, I think that, you know, it's something that we all need to be able to do because when we write down, we actually expand. There's a neurological connection to when we write. And, and you know, as we're writing, we're expanding. You know, as I mentioned before, we've got that foveal vision. But as we're writing, we're actually moving into this, expanding the boundaries of our thinking and we can come up with answers because we all have it inside of us. And I, and I think the question, are you coachable, is, is so much more that people need to realise that they have to be coachable to themselves first before we can lead others, we must first learn to lead ourselves. So we have to be okay with going deeper into ourselves to really find the answers because we all have it inside of us. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I find that I'm always asking, are you ready? Are you really ready from inside? Because I remember when I was working uh, with uh, certain people in, in image consulting and especially women, I. I, I learned, it's like it was the best job because I learned about people. Because women, they come and, oh, I don't like this side. I don't like that, that side of mine. Uh, does, uh, uh, look at this color, it's not suiting me or, you know. And I had to, and I'm not just, I didn't just do the job, let's go and shop, let's go and I'm going to go in your closet. But I educated them. So they know how to do it next time. And when you see the confidence on their faces or they have a makeover and I take them to, uh, to the hairstylist and I decide on things, it's, and they go on a date and they are all put together. The confidence when it comes out, that's my payback. 
Yes. I have, I have to charge, but that's my payback. Yeah, yeah, but that's okay. That's the value-to-value exchange. But yes. we, can also, we can also be very proud of what we help people achieve. That's, that's, that's our reward for that. Um, and you know, it, it's it's. Uh, uh, let me sh- let me share a, a quick story from a colleague here in Australia that 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 changed my ch- change, which was a great learning for me as as far as values. He was uh, his name is Ben, and he does uh, he studied with the Dalai Lama, but he's also a corporate was was in corporate. So he bought East West together. He's doing Reiki with a client. She said, "Can you help my husband? Forty five dollars an hour. Can you help my husband?" He said, "What's the husband's problem?" So anyway, uh, the next day, he's driving to the husband's office to have a conversation with the husband. And in the car, he's saying, now, what am I going to charge this guy? Okay, $1,000. No, no, $5,000. By the time he got to this guy's office, he had decided he was going to charge $15,000 to work with this guy. He'd had a conversation on the phone, so he had a little bit of a snapshot of what the guy's problem was. So he goes into the office, they meet, have a conversation. Um, and the guy said, so, you know, can you help me? Ben said, yes, I can. The guy said, so what's it going to cost me? And $150,000 came out of Ben's mouth. (laughs) Quite the difference. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, he said, he's sitting there and he's going, where did that come from? You know, (laughs) but what had happened was, you know, in the car, as he's driving along, he's, he's having this conversation with himself and his unconscious is taking this on board. So somewhere deep down, he knew that he was worth more than $15,000. But what do you think the guy said? Okay. Yeah, shook his hand and said, when do we start? Now, here's the other thing. He didn't have a program designed and ready for this guy. He just said, quick off the mark, he said, okay, we know that tasking is important. So he said to this guy, well, what I want you to do is one, two, three. Is a deposit is so much, I'll come back in six weeks and we'll get started. In the meantime, you need to do one, two, three. So Ben took the deposit, went away for a month, uh, designed the program, and it changed his life forever. But what was the, what, what was, it? there's only one thing that he did. What was the one thing that he did? He saw his value. Didn't he faint when I uh, says, okay, 150 and he realizes? Well, I, I think that reaction, but he, he said, you know, he just said, I mean, but he had to, he had to hold his posture. Of course. He had to hold his posture. So once I heard that, I, I thought, oh, I can do that. <laughs> So, so, so the next the next conversation I had with a client around money, I tripled my fee. And again, the same thing happened. It was just a handshake. When do we get started? So it, it is all about it is all about the value we see on self. As I said, we show the marketplace our value, the marketplace will show us the money. You know, and, and so we're all we're all we're all only limited by the pain and the crap that goes on in here. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you if you if you met Dr. Phil, uh, but you know, one of the one of the messages that I got from meeting Dr. Phil was, you know, too many people need to heal their personal truth. Just really the, the crutch of it, isn't it? More people have to believe heal their personal truth. They've got to get rid of the pain and the crap, put themselves in front of the right information, the right data so their brain can convert it, have a clear, beautiful vision of what they want their life to be and believe they can have it. They have problem with vision. They can create a vision board when uh, they create pictures and everything. So it's, it's more, more real, basically. It's not in just their head. 
Well, well, that's an interesting thing. We have the Palazzo Versace here, and I know there's there's a Palazzo Versace in Dubai, but we have the first Palazzo Versace here on the Gold Coast. Um, and I've always I've always taken clients there because I think that there's something there's something it's 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 dream to, to quote a phrase it's dream building. And I remember taking a lady there once who arrived in in track pants and a and runners to go for a walk on the beach. And I said, we're just going to pop into Versace. Oh, I can't go into there. And I said, oh, of course you can. As we walked into the hotel, a couple walked out of the, the lift in a in a bathrobe. And I said, oh, look at those guys. They're in their pajamas. They were on their way to the pool. Anyway, we sat down and I said to her, if you had a gift of time and money, you know, money flowed and time flowed, how different would your life be? What would you do that you really, truly want to do? What is your core desire? Because that's the question we have to ask people. What is your core desire? And and once she sort of realized that she was, she had permission to answer that question, she said, I could have a massage every week. Mm -hmm, You could. And she's looking around. You know what? I could go to that place in Thailand that that I saw on the TV the other day. Oh, I could come here. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh, I could come here. Yes, you could, because it's possible. Yeah. And 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 that's the thing. You know, people have to. The brain has to see it for people to believe that it's possible. That's why test driving the car that you want is great. That's why going looking at houses that you want. And even though these are these are just shiny things that are rewards for goals that you achieved, it helps people connect mentally to what they want so that they can stay focused on what they need to do. Yeah. And when you can see it and smell it and touch it, you start to believe it's possible, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally believe it. Maybe that's something that you could do with some of your main clients is do some dream building with them and, and get them sort of connected with, with what really, you know, gets them excited. Absolutely. And um, I'm, I like, I'm going to look into uh, your program and see how it works because you work all around the world, right? Yes, 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 totally. So yeah. let's see if we can do something together if uh, something comes up like that. Oh, I think that we just need we just we just need to talk about it and make it happen. I think that Absolutely. would be so cool. Yeah. And I'm going to give them also your um, your website so they oh, can look you, you thank up. You. Okay? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's wonderful. I'm so, so grateful. It's been so fun talking to you. It's, it's. Uh, I think, I think that business is fun and exciting when you connect with like-minded people. We could talk yeah. lots, but it's like you know, like who's going to listen to so much? That's good. I also, I also think sleep is important. You know, I, I, from a health perspective, because we do a lot of wellness programs as well. Uh, you know, ha- sleep is a very, is a very relevant health strategy so i need my beauty sleep <laughs> we all need our beauty sleep i think we all need our beauty sleep don't we? especially once we get over 40 Eva. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i i don't believe in labels i don't believe in putting you in a in a box because of age or whatever i don't believe in those it's you know it's experience you have and how you feel that's what is important and oh. if you're a kind person or not the rest doesn't matter yes i'm exactly i'm 100% on the same page as you with that thank you so much susan for for being with me for giving all those 
amazing information and I hope uh, people are going to uh, be curious and want the change. Please, you have the time to change at this point. This is the time. You don't have to work. Some places are still shut down. So this is the time to, to improve for the future, right? Yes, absolutely, totally. And and I think, you know, the Wealthy Brain Workout is, is we've created that that's, it's all about getting prepared to be wealthy. It's getting mentally and physically ready to be able to do it. Uh, so it is a very simple personal development program, but it's all about getting mentally prepared and understanding that that the brain, you know, why does the brain need good food? I mean, you know, as, as I think you, you'll read in the book that the brain is two parts, it's an organ. So it needs to be treated with the same respect as the rest of the body, but it's also a genius brain. And the healthier the organ, the more genius the brain is. And I think if we can help more people understand that a healthy, a healthy brain gives birth to wealthier thoughts, um, then we can help more people move forward um, with a happy disposition, enjoy the journey, and, and have less people going into that depressed state. Yeah, I hope so, because uh, it's a lot of depression going around and um, substance abuse and all kinds of things. So thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you again and talk to you again. And have a fabulous week. Oh, thank you so much. It's been absolutely delightful. And I'm excited about seeing what we can do together. See me too. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, there is no happiness without love. Love yourself first and ask questions. It's going to be my pleasure to answer it. Until next time, goodbye.